it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. This is episode 199. I'm Cameron Hobbs, as well you know, joined at the moment with Paul Mitchell. And Paul, we're going to kick things off as you teased the last time by kicking it over to an NFL player. Cameron, it's always great, and you've made some great contacts in the NFL. I'm delighted that the New York Giants uh, media people were able to oblige us, and of course, the player himself. The Scottish Hammer has a new home. It is in New York, New Jersey, and he will be kicking for the Giants, and he joined Cameron a little while ago. So delighted to welcome back to the podcast, the man that we've had a number of times before. We've not been able to speak to him for a little bit. He's been a busy man. Please welcome the New York Giants punter and field goal kicker, (laughs) Jamie Gillen. How are you, Jamie? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Ah, thank you for joining us as well. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Um, Obviously, your journey's been busy over the last wee while. Last time we spoke here at the Browns, obviously from there, since you've ended up through Buffalo and at New York, how has that journey been for you, first of all? Uh, it's been uh, great. You know, um, I didn't, uh, obviously, I didn't want it to go down how it did in Cleveland, but that's how life's supposed to go. And got picked up uh, immediately at Buffalo and got, I had a really fantastic time at Buffalo. Um, they have a great group of guys, they're a great group of coaches and GM. Um, and, and I really enjoyed my time there getting better being comfortable, growing as a player, and um, just get almost, almost getting a call every week to to, to uh, suit up, you know. And um, then from there, uh, transitioned into uh, the Giants because uh, I had some teams calling uh, and then chose here. And that was I, – I, I chose to come here because of – uh, Joe, the GM, and uh, because of the coach, uh, Thomas McGahey, who's the special teams coordinator now, who is absolutely fantastic. I've really, really been thoroughly enjoying my time here, enjoying the process of punting a ball, as I always do. But I'm just just more and more working on becoming a pro and being the best player I can be for this organization. And so far, um, just keeping my head down. Um, the place, I mean, the building is just full of history. I mean, it's it's fantastic coming in here. And Meeting the people, everybody in this building is just a lovely human being. So it's, it's it's been very positive and we're really excited to kick off the season. Now, your coach has already come out and talked about the fact that he's excited to work with you because, you know, you're clearly talented, but you're also very coachable. Um, obviously, that's something that works both ways, right? Have you been able to learn a lot from him already? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's given me a couple of really good pointers. Um, the nice thing is he really lets me be myself um, and he lets me, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have to worry about my, my work ethic. You know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put in the work, the hours, the time in the process of little things of catching the ball, molding it, dropping it, holding. You know, I take what I do very seriously and I, I'd like to be very successful and for this team. So um, he we, we've I watch my film, I take my notes and, you know, especially earlier on, he just noticed the. Uh, one or two things we talked about and I've worked on it and it's been working really well. Just going to keep, just got to keep doing it. And it's just something really small. It's like punting a ball is like hitting a driver or an iron. It's like a golf swing, right? So, you know, tiny adjustments here and there can be all the difference for how I kick the ball. You know, I'm, I'm strong, I'm flexible. If my foot hits the sweet spot of the ball, it's going to go where it's supposed to go. So it's just a uh, consistency with, all that stuff coming together and even the tempo, right? A tempo of a swing. If your swing tempo's off in a golf swing, you know, you, it's, it's, it's out. There's the same thing with, with my swing too. And it's just been a constant process of, of, of doing that. And it's been brilliant. Having now been obviously at three different NFL teams, how, we hear a lot, you know, obviously the, the big chat is about the positions like quarterback, where there's a new head coach or a new team, they've got to learn new schemes and things like that. For yourself as a punter, how different has it been from Cleveland to Buffalo to New York? Is it a lot of the same things done slightly differently or could it be quite dramatically different in the approach? Uh, I would definitely say for special teams-wise, it's very similar things done a little bit different. There's different technique things that they teach to some of the guys, different philosophies on schemes of what they... um, want to achieve and where they want the ball to be placed and stuff. Um, 
I'll, I'll definitely say it. It's there's a loads of similarities, but very like you said, very minor tweaks that to make the schemes be successful for how they how they want the field position battle to be won, or how you know we punt the ball and X, Y, and Z. Now, this is in no way a slight on the great city of Cleveland because it's a, a great place with some great bars downtown. However, I don't think anybody would begrudge us saying that a move from Cleveland to New York is quite a different backdrop. How have you found that move from a pure geographical point of view? Uh, it's Man, it's it's a huge, huge uh, change. Even just the cost of living around here is a, a lot different, you know? Um, so I'm looking around where I'd like to live and uh, I found some really cool spots. That I'm, I'm going to check out some apartments uh, today, actually. Um, and it, it, I tell you what, when you're driving on, I think it's, three right, right three and you're coming up over the hill and you just see this beautiful skyline of the city i mean it's 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 unreal i've no, no, you know never really seen it like that so um it's nice i went and explored the city um me and my girlfriend did we actually brought my dog bear on the subway and stuff like that it was funny so uh, we got to <laughs> around there uh so i'm really excited to get into a spot and you know get back and forth to practice but then when my family come around and friends and stuff they we can go and they're going to explore the city while I'm, while I'm working and stuff and we have some things to do in the Hoboken kind of uh, Jersey City kind of area absolutely uh, a great part of town as well um obviously having bear your girlfriend's going to help you adjust being close to the family again also a good thing how has also having someone else Scottish and Graham Gano in that kicking room with you how's that helped with the adjustment it's been really cool. Um, you know, he was born there and, and lived there for a few years and then he moved out to uh, Florida. Um, it's really interesting because I was talking to his, his mom on FaceTime and his mom's from Arbroath and she hasn't lost a lick of her accent. <laughs> Not even a smidge of it. And so I'm listening to him like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. So um, he, he he's talked about eating, you know, haggis and stuff like that. And uh and it's cool because we're both, um, you know, fingers crossed, they're going to be playing um, in London, which is going to be great. You know, going to have family there. I'm, I'm assuming you're trying to get to that game, right, as well? Hopefully. Hopefully, yep. So uh, it'll be cool to see all you guys down there and stuff um, or out there. Uh, so it's, it's been fun. We've had uh, some similarities and stuff and two Scotsmen in the backfield there uh, trying to get the job done, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so far, preseason's been going pretty well. Um, we'll come on to the field goal that you kicked, but from a pure punting point of view, being quite happy with everything that you've achieved so far? Yep, yep, uh, I am. Uh, just, you know, they're, they're just when I'm standing back there, just uh, really living in the moment, you know, uh, not, not playing with fear, playing with confidence, having fun. Um, just hitting the ball, just working on hitting the ball well, um, you know, and there was, I'm going to be honest, there's one punt I, I wasn't exactly pleased about, but overall I'm happy about how the process is going and how, how, how we're improving. That's, that's the aim of the game is to just keep fighting, right? So it's, it's, it's been great. How much did you enjoy the field goal, the point after and all the kickoffs in that preseason game against the Bengals? It, it was fun. Um, it, it was, you know, nice football, right? Stuff can happen. And it was a real shame what happened to Graham. And I'm glad he's uh, back and back and uh, feeling better and stuff. Um, but I said to him on the side, I was like, this is why I'm, this is, I can kick, mate. I can, I can kick off. You know, we need you for week one. Just, just don't, just don't mess yourself up because you're worried about this. And, you know, he appreciated that. And um, we figured it out on the sideline and just got to go and go and do it right, react to the situation and go and get it done. And that's the whole part of uh, being, you know, uh, tough and accountable as we talk about here. And that's, that's, that's what my goal was there and going out and just getting the job done. So it was fun. It was, it was enjoyable. Um, and I'm glad that, I mean, it was such a good push from the team in preseason because, you know, you're playing everybody. Uh, you got third stringers, four stringers, everybody's getting a chance out there and everybody's coming together with a common goal of wanting to win, right? Because we're a competitive team. So it's been great. And obviously, Julian Love, you had to train him yourself. So you're already getting into the coaching side of things. You're teaching him how to hold the ball, which he managed to do pretty successfully. So that's a little bit unique as well. And I guess working on special teams, you're used to working with guys that need to be adaptable. You've had to step up and do it. He did a great job of doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was funny because we're walking around and we go, hey, who can hold? And a couple of guys put their hands up. And then they said, we asked them for a lefty. They go, oh, no, <laughs> no I can't. I don't know. Uh, so we actually considered drop kicking it as well. Um, 
And then uh, Julian Love put his hand up and said, I'll, I'll learn, I'll do it. I was like, great. So I just told him, hey, just don't lean it towards me. Uh, but if he had done, I, I would have figured it out. But just lean it towards you and don't worry about spinning the laces. Just get the ball on the ground and we'll poke it through. He goes, all right. So we got three or four on the sideline and went out and did it. <laughs> and you could see that moment as well after you nailed it, that you turned to him and celebrated. That was a lovely moment as well. Great for building the camaraderie. What's the hope then for the Giants this year? Where, where are you hoping and what areas are you looking to grow in? Um, you know, I, 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 as an organization, um, which what Dave was always preaching is just we're going day by day, week by week. So, you know, we're not even thinking about week long right now. We're thinking about how we play, how we practice today. You know, we, if you practice well, you put in time, you put in the good effort and growth each day. It's going to show on Sunday. So we're working towards Sunday tomorrow. We've got our practice against the Jets. Um, we'll just keep playing it day by day because we can't worry too much in the future and guess how we're going to play if we just focus on now and being tough and accountable and a great team and gel together as a team you know the success will come in the stretch so that's really all we're focused on right now and for me it's just the same thing just day by day minute by minute just working on what we've got to work on and uh, you know get it done right that live in the moment ethos is something that you've always had how important is that to you and the success that you're going to have I think it's important just for me personally because I don't know the way life works. You never know how long you're going to be either on the, I mean, get philosophical here, but how long you're going to be on this earth for, how long I've been doing this job for. So I'm going to give it my all every day, enjoy it, make great relationships, great friendships and stuff, and and the rest will work itself out. So um, I, I can't I can't worry about Sunday if I'm, you know, if I get, if I get the work in now, right, Sunday's supposed to be easy. So that's, be my whole philosophy and goals throughout these uh, last three years. So just got to keep it going and keep my head down and, and the rest will work itself out. Absolutely. Well, listen, Jamie, we wish you all the very best for the season. Thank you for joining us. We will hopefully catch up with you in London. Um, last touch on that. How, how much will it mean to you being a Scotsman, being able to play this game in the UK? Oh, it'll be brilliant. You know, uh, the NFL UK is consistently growing. Uh, great, great bunch of people there. You know, you've got FA over here playing a couple of guys um, and it just hopefully inspiring uh, younger guys in uh, the UK to, you know, give football a shot. I, I can't stress how much it's done for me having a free education, as we talked about in previous podcasts and, mm. you know, food on the table. And I'm, I'm here now and we just keep keep the ball rolling and hopefully guys get inspired by it because there's plenty of athletes that can, you know, have a shot. Uh, we've got a fellow from the NFL Academy going to Troy, Um and, and it's, that's fantastic for him. And just hopefully keep the feeding program going and, and keep people, because it's such a beautiful game, right? And so people from the UK starting to understand it. My cousins are loving it and stuff and getting into it. So just it's just great to see that uh, football's growing, you know? Absolutely. Uh, great to see as well. Like this is the 20th consecutive season that we'll have an active Scottish player in the NFL. And this year we're going to have three in essence because we've got Graham Gano and yourself. We've got David Ajabo at the Ravens, who of course grew up in Aberdeen. So yeah. great when you guys meet up week six, I think it is the Giants play the Ravens. Another opportunity to get three Scottish guys get together. There better be a promo of the three you and Kilts somewhere on the halfway line. I tell you, I'll be disappointed if there's not. I hope so. I'm looking forward to meeting him. He's a he's he's a stud. So uh, I'm I'm really excited to meet the guy. The two you can flex and see who's got the bigger biceps. There we go. That that'll be the <laughs> brilliant, Jamie. Thanks very much for your time, uh, and we'll speak to you soon. Uh, cheers, mate. Paul, great to hear from Jamie Gillen there, and we wish him every success at the New York Giants this season. Yeah, fresh start, fresh chance to go. Uh, and be successful. I think the Giants. I'm. I'm not sure what their ceiling is. This year, they, they, the Giants could do just about anything. Um, and I don't think that that's a hot take. I'm, you're just never sure in that division. If I was a Giants fan, I think there's certain areas of that team that I'm very comfortable with, and I think there's other areas of the team that you cross your fingers and hope are going to kick on. But I, I, I think they've got a good reason to be to be optimistic, and I'd like to see that. Joining us now, we've got Jamie Borthwick, we've got Gordon McGuinness, we've got Charles Parson. Jamie, you said last time when we were talking about the NFC East that you felt eight or nine wins was probably the ceiling. You stand by that now? Yeah, I stand, I stand by that. I mean, when Paul says he's not sure what the ceiling is, I don't think the ceiling is much above that. Uh, you've spoken to Jamie, and I think special teams is actually looking okay. It's probably the one part of the roster I, I could hang my hat on. Um, there's That's your curse to then. 
nothing <laughs> nothing to change my mind at all. I still think the receiving core looks well talented, um, extremely dodgy in terms of uh, production, um, and I still don't think they're going to be uh, able to stop too much um, going through the air at them, and that's probably not a cocktail for a particularly successful season. But um, it's exciting anyway because everyone um, you know, has got a really good vibe around the place with uh, uh, Joe Shane and Ryan Dable, so um, bring it on. Looking forward to it. What we're going to do in this podcast before we get to a, a special episode 200 that we will release before the the full week one that may come out on Friday. If we can get it out on Thursday, we'll get it out on Thursday before the the Rams-Bills game. If not, it'll come out early on Friday so you can sit down and have something to listen to. But for this podcast, joined by the, the gents here, and we will discuss some of the developing stories that we're most interested in watching in the 2022 season. This is a question we asked to Kevin Harlan uh, towards the end of the interview that we had with him. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to that. Kevin joined us again. Brilliant. I mean, that's that's two hours now between the two podcasts that we've sat down with Kevin Harlan and absolutely brilliant. Uh, once again, we've had loads of feedback from people saying how much they've enjoyed it. It really is a brilliant podcast. And it's not because of me and Paul. We contribute nothing. Go listen to what Kevin Harlan's got to say. If nothing else, his voice is going to get you warmed up. Uh, and Paul, him covering three games on the opening weekend, we, we'd cover all that how he's going to research for it. We find out about broadcasting. We find out about what he's interested in. We He commits to saying the word stramash in one of his um, commentaries, which he better live up to that. I have no doubt he will. Um, his preparation <laughs> is immense. I think he's got three great games. And if we can find a way to actually listen to the Monday night football and get around the, the geo blockers that are stopping me from doing so, I'd be absolutely delighted to, to listen. Great guy and really appreciated his time. But I'm actually going to start with uh, Gordon McGuinness because developing stories, the, the news that's broken today is Mitch Trubisky is the number one quarterback in the depth chart in Pittsburgh. How threatened are you by Mitch Trubisky? Terrified. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely terrified. As, so I work with a lot of Americans. Has the word mid made it over to the UK yet? Do people understand what you mean when you say something is mid? No. I'm okay, so so mid is like, it's not terrible, it's not good, it's like bang average, but it's bang average that someone tries to make a big deal out of. Like Motherwell. Motherwell would be mid if, if anyone ever tried to make a big deal out of Motherwell. No one ever. I'm not calling, by the way, I am not calling Motherwell mid. Bloody nemesis. Pricks. <laughs> right, anyway, no. back to your Hang point. on, anyway. can I just say before Gordon comes in, Gordon is now the Joe Lysett of the Scotland NFL Stramash podcast for the way that he answered that about Mitch Trubisky being terrified of him. That, that was Joel Lysett-esque. I'm very impressed. Absolutely terrified. His name his name should be Mitchell Trubisky because he sets the Steelers up. I, I replied to, to our friend Johnny Bailey, long-time listener of the podcast, and told him today the Steelers are set up for a great battle for the number seven seed in the AFC. We know we know that's a good enough roster. They'll probably, if not beat the Ravens this year, they'll probably give them, you know, a good game and at least one, if not both of those games. It's a good roster. It's a quarterback that's set up to have them finish round about ten and seven, you know, eight and nine, nine and eight, something like that, and they'll compete for the seventh seed. Are they going to win the AFC North? No. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? No. If I was them. I would start Kenny Pickett for 17 games and find out what the hell I had at quarterback. But, you know, if they're going to go down the Mitchell Trubisky route, great. Works for me. I love the banter of it. That's brilliant. I've watched Mitch Trubisky in Chicago for three and a half years, and it's comedy. The thing is, he can run around a bit. Don't forget, he he played in a bunch of playoff games in Chicago as well. So he's been there. You know, he knows what he's what he, what he has to do to get there, but he's just not very good. And Najee Harris is going to take about 800 touches this year, I think, as well. So <laughs> they're going to kill the running back. Charles, you like to point out quarterback controversies. Do you think no, that the Steelers do you think not. that the Steelers have created a quarterback? quarterback controversy and in what week do you think Kenny Pickett is going to get his tiny little hands on the number one starter job 
No, there's no controversy in uh, Pittsburgh because he's just a holding pattern, Mitch Trubisky. And of course, Pittsburgh didn't have to give up three first round picks to go get him. Um, they just let Kenny Pickett fall the way down. Um, I think that maybe that maybe says you know, more about Kenny Pickett. Well, Ken, Ken, well, I think you know, we've discussed before how this quarterback class uh, in 2022 is perhaps not as good uh, or as talented or as well thought of as previous or perhaps future quarterback classes. But Pittsburgh, they knew Roethlisberger was retiring. It made sense for them to get a quarterback this year. And Mr. Trubisky is a perfectly serviceable backup, I would say, at this stage in his career. He's not going to win you the Super Bowl, as Gordon just said. He's he's a bit like Jacoby Brissett or Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, he's he's a guy who'll win you a few games. He'll lose you a few games as well. My, um, my favorite my favorite stat that I saw today is it looks like we're not going to have a rookie start in Week One, and that's going to be the first time since the year that Jamarcus Russell was the number one overall pick. Oh yeah, uh, the great Jamarcus Russell. What what happened to him? Um, <laughs> listen, Pittsburgh are going to win more games than people think they do because they've got, as you said, a stat roster, and they've got Tomlin who coaches up. Um, they've got a mean defense. They've got weapons. If Trubisky plays to his peak, which don't forget, I mean, he took the Bears to the twelve and four season in his second year, then. They can win games. They could cause all manner of problems. If he plays as badly as I've seen Mitch Trubisky play in the past, they could be in all sorts of trouble. And then he's gone. And then you give it to Kenny Pickett. And off you go when you slide away with two, two, three years of Kenny Pickett and see what he's got. So I don't have a problem with what they're doing. I just think it's funny. I, I can't wait to see Trubisky and see what he does. <laughs> Jamie, do you wish you had uh, an exciting, questionable rookie waiting to come in behind Daniel Jones this season? Oh, no, there's more than enough um, sort of, uh, banter or fear over uh, that <laughs> second uh, to go around at the moment. No, I mean, let's be honest, it kind of feels a little bit like a rookie because we're still not exactly sure if Daniel Jones um, is our quarterback after... Well, going into his fourth fourth year, we still don't have enough evidence to know. So, no, um, that, that 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 that's quite enough. That's quite enough. Having a having a slightly more capable backup is actually um, one of my favourite moves that uh, the Giants made in uh, in the off season because um, it's not Colt McCoy or um, any other assorted garbage that they've had backing up the quarterbacks of the last um, few years. So. Uh, yeah, I think everyone will have um, more than enough fun sitting back and um, seeing if um, Danny Dimes is more than just uh, a funny name that they will laugh about in the in the future. I, I have to say, Daniel Jones, I remember when he got picked number six and everyone thought, laughed. oh, this is too high. Laughed. laughed. Yeah, yeah, laughed. Um, and went, what the hell are they doing? And this constant, we don't know whether he's the quarterback of the future yet. I'm sorry. I think we do. We know that he's A, injury prone, B, capable of doing streaky stuff once in a while. But are you going to see the New York Giants win the Super Bowl with Daniel Jones as quarterback? Absolutely, positively, not a chance. And deep in your heart, Borthwick, you know that to be true. And if I were you, I would enjoy this last season for the the, the relatively few highs you'll get and the sporadic despair that's going to land on you and then you're going to be able to enjoy that number one or number two pick next year probably number two pick because I think the Bears are going to be pretty close to the the floor as well I would say that it is wishful thinking that I will enjoy any of this season Charles (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think that worse quarterbacks than Daniel Jones ultimately will have gone to the Super Bowl and possibly even won the Super Bowl um, the fact remains that there's such a huge amount of work to do on that roster outside a quarterback that he, he isn't even the priority and he hasn't that hasn't been the priority over the last couple of years. It may not even be the priority next year. They might they might end up deciding there's other spaces that they need to go uh, more aggressively at um, and then and then wait and then wait on quarterback. But um, uh, will it be fun finding out? No, probably not. 
We're talking about developing stories tonight, and one developing story that's kind of breaking at the moment, maybe not breaking, but the Chicago Bears. Now, let's park the conversations about this particular season because we'll come to that. Off the field, there's been a lot of chat about Soldier Field, the fact that it's the smallest stadium in the NFL. Um, Chicago are limited due to its location as to how much development. Also, parts of that building are listed. Um, and cannot be removed. Therefore, they have apparently acquired 326 acres of property in Arlington Heights to secure the potential of the beginning of a new and exciting chapter there in their own words. And now, I don't know if you guys have seen the illustrations, but I thought I would just share this with you briefly to get some initial hot takes. Because the preliminary master plan vision, to me, looks something not dissimilar to a bread bin. Um, or some kind of inanimate object. that It's very early on, so perhaps they've just pixeled this out. However, image two shows the distance from the downtown Chicago area, and I'm starting to wonder whether this is actually in Milwaukee. Um, mm. Is this plan of moving stadia from the centre of cities in the easy-to-access locations to an outer city location... Is that a good move forward still? Do we think that's naturally the way? Not dissimilar to uh, what the Niners did, <laughs> moving uh, 45 miles down the road. Absolutely. San Francisco, really? Question mark. Mm. Um, totally agree. Totally agree. I, I and again, to say, on, we... it, on first look, it looks like a model village from North Korea. But <laughs> as, long, as long as you have good public transport links, then I think you're fine. The, the Patriots but it's stadium, right next to a train station. Right next to a train yeah. station. I remember going to the Patriots Stadium, and it's like Fox it's miles Burr's, away. Foxborough is relatively middle of nowhere. Like it's not really near Boston. You're a good while away. I think we stayed in Providence the night before, and it was still a good hour plus, maybe two hour drive to get there. So I always think it's funny, sorry, when, yeah, very quickly sorry. on that, when NBC cut to like halftime and they show pictures of down town Boston when you're playing games it's like that's two hours away what are you doing it's not even close not even close anyway sorry Paul we shouldn't normalize teams <laughs> moving miles away from places and Soldier Field is an utterly beautiful stadium um, no. so there's one thing about Soldier Field though anyone anyone that does any kind of work in American football you use uh, coaches film which is like it call it all 22 and it allows you to see all 22 players unless it's soldier field because where they position their camera is so bad that it's basically a tv view it's terrible and they send this out to nfl teams so like the other 31 nfl teams have these great all 22 things that show you how everything breaks down coverage wise and then the bears send the rest of the nfl teams this like weird angle that helps absolutely no one and you would think I'd, that would help. I'd them. suggest in, investing in camera gantries is a better solution than moving fucking miles away, though. Or just tell the coaches to watch the game when they're there, <laughs> watching it back on camera. Hesh. Anyway, Paul. So <laughs> the observation is a lot of teams have used stadiums to regenerate their downtown areas. You know, we've seen it in Cleveland. Uh, we saw it in San Diego, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's a mistake when you start to move too far away. Um, Fo Foxborough has always been a strange one. It is in Gordon's right. It's in absolutely the middle of nowhere. Um, funding comes into this. They say they're buying the land, but they're going to be looking for some funding at some point. Chicago as a town is fairly shambolic at the moment. I think they've got bigger problems than spending money on a stadium to get an extra 10,000 people in their stadium. So again, from a taxpayer's point of view, I think they'll struggle if they need any taxpayer's money to get sent through there. Um, and we, we are also about to hit a recession as well. I, financially, I don't think it makes sense to add, what, 10, 15,000 seats? Doesn't make sense to me. And I'm with, with Jimmy, and I... I take Gordon's point about the cameras, it is an iconic field that upon which they spent absolutely millions just a few years ago. Has anyone consulted what the owner thinks? I mean, 
presumably Aaron Rodgers has given us the green light. <laughs> there we go. Who, who, hey. who, who, had, who had 22 minutes for the first Packers reference? Good resist. House. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, um, <laughs> I agree, though, like, with a lot of you. I, I've been to Soldier Field, and it's it's dated, like, compared to most stadiums um, that are in city centres and things like that. But it's a great, it's got so much history. I can't imagine the Packers ever moving away from Lambeau Field, right? Lambeau needs redeveloped big time. To be fair, they, they've they'll build around the field, right? Yeah, yeah, they've invested in it. But then, you know, I think it depends on your franchise, really. I mean, look, at, can you ever imagine the Chiefs moving from Arrowhead? There'd be a riot. Um, or, I mean, Denver built a new mile high at mile high. But then that was quite a few years ago. So there are ways of doing it. But, I mean, this is a big city and it's a stadium that's slap bang in the centre. I mean, if we bring it into a Scottish context, back in the 90s, there was all this chat about Hibernian moving out to the bypass at one point, uh, which very nearly happened. And then there was talk about Harb and Lillian moving to the west side of Edinburgh out of the city centre. And thankfully for both clubs, they both stayed in their heartlands. So I think it's a very difficult decision. It's a business decision at the end of the day. If it's going to generate more funds, if it's going to be good for the local community, then I think fair enough. But you're going to lose a piece of the soul of your club. Let's be honest, they're a bit soulless at the moment anyway. So anything that they can do to muster a little bit of... <laughs> a little bit of um, pride. I don't know what they do. I mean, it doesn't matter where they play. They're still crap. Um, just to let you know as well, as we as we take a break there, we've made a very small adjustment to the to the starting roster of the podcast here. Um, we've just cut Paul Mitchell. Uh, and just before the season started, he has been released. We we don't really need a person of his talents any longer. Uh, and what we've done is we've gone to the waiver wire and we've just drafted in Ian Stephen. Good evening, Ian. Morning. So we are talking about developing stories. And while he isn't here, let's have a very reasonable conversation about the New Orleans Saints. Because we know Paul is down on Winston and what have you. But it feels like, and we won't get into making predictions, we'll save that for later on, but it feels like the New Orleans Saints genuinely have the opportunity because of the roster that they've put together, both on offense and defense, to be the team again in the NFC South. Does I anyone think, disagree? I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I, I don't. I mean, the only thing that's holding them back um, from an offensive perspective is Jameis not being as good as he was before he hurt his knee. And then there's the question mark over Dennis Allen as a head coach. And we've touched on that recently because he's not had a great record as a head coach. The fact that Sean Payton is not there, I think is a bigger deal than Dennis Allen being a head coach. Dennis Allen is clearly a, a, a serviceable, well-respected individual in the coaching fraternity. But Sean Payton was able to do things that very few coaches could do. Um, he was able to manage a team that had essentially a, a lame duck at quarterback for a couple of years. So, if Jameis is as good as he was at the start of last season, I think they'll be fine, and I think that they can win the division. But there's a lot of ifs and buts and maybes in there. I think a lot of has to go right for them to do that, but I don't see why it can't. And if they can keep their Indian sign over the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've got a great chance. Yeah, the other thing with the Buccaneers is, you know, what is the Tom Brady situation? So it's strange. Whatever you know, there's loads of different stories going around, but. The fact that he took time off in the off season, the fact that the story broke about tampering from the Dolphins trying to bring him there, like I wonder if, you, yeah, it's tough because with Brady, anytime you doubt him, he just comes out and goes absolutely berserk and just dominates. So, but the Saints' defense has given him tons of problems. Apparently, as well, there's a lot of story about his his wife being unhappy that he's returned. And Brady himself doesn't, and I don't know if this is just me or whether it's just an age thing. Brady looks different. It, there's been a lot of chat about how his face looks so different, and it does. He looks, I, I don't know what it is, whether he's just slimmed down. It just looks different. 
Oh. He's not a clone. He's not a clone. I'm not going down that conspiracy theory. <laughs> it's not he's, quite he's, there. He's old. He's 45. I'm sorry. Well, you know, if we were playing at the age of 45, eventually you hit a wall. Eventually you flick a switch and suddenly you're not the guy you were last week or the month before. And, you know, if he's trying to get in shape, if he's going to the, going to saunas to lose weight or, you know, he's got that middle-aged paunch coming on, that's fine. I mean, we've talked, we've, we've heard about all the stories about how, you know, he's got this nutritionist and this um, physical trainer that's kept him right over the years. He is 45 years old. One day, whether it's this season or next season, one day soon, something's, he's going to hit a wall. And maybe it's this year, maybe it's this month. Yeah. And if he's not got an offensive line to protect him, then it could come pretty quick. Going to saunas means something a bit different when you're from Edinburgh. <laughs> Going to saunas means something a bit different when you're in Florida. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, uh, old old Bobby's giving him a few numbers, I'm sure, uh, for some places to visit. <laughs> At least we know what Cameron gets up to in his trips to Florida. <laughs> Disneyland, my arse, is something that you wouldn't say out loud. Are, that's are you, that's a special you, order. Are, are you are you suggesting? Are you suggesting that maybe his balls got deflated again? What I don't under, what I don't understand is in a sport where maintaining peak hydration is key, especially so when you play in the most humid state in America. Why would you be then? taking part in a practice that reduces the amount of moisture in your system. <laughs> Why I don't it doesn't make any sense at all from a an athletic perspective. Well this is it. This is it. Um right back on track. Developing stories, Ian, is what we're talking about. Eagles wise, what's the biggest developing story for you guys this year? Um I think that the, the most uh, developing story is the fact that you all said it was 9.45 just after the Champions League games and that's when I logged in uh, precisely on time and you'd already bizarrely started. That's not how we officiate things in the NFL. Well, that, to the button. It, it was it was 9.45, but the developing story was that Cameron just decided to start early. <laughs> I have no idea what day of the week it is. Never know what time it is. Christ. Oh. The Eagles are in a luxurious position at the moment where touch wood scandal and injury hasn't really befallen them in the preseason. Um, the only story that's really broken is that Jason Peters is signing for the Cowboys and it's going to look very bizarre seeing a, a Hall of Flame potential player playing in your biggest rival's jersey. But um, seen our black Um You get... <laughs> I think you get, um, I think chuntering might be the best word you get from people on Twitter. Um, it's not the brightest of uh, subscribers on that platform at times. Can't wait to see what the reaction of the Eagles crowd is when the Cowboys visit town later on. I don't think, I don't think Peters is going to last until then. He's, he's probably holds the NFL record for being down injured the most time, most times in a game in an NFL career. Um, and, his age slash size slash not being prepared for the season at all. I, I don't really foresee him uh, not succumbing to some sort of soft tissue injury or even worse. Hope he doesn't, but um, I don't really see it working my, out. And it's a sticking plaster as well for for the Cowboys. My my favorite thing there about Jason Peters is he's on the Cowboys practice squad right now. It's the first time he's been on a practice squad since he was a rookie, and when he was a rookie, he was a tight end. He came into the NFL out of, I think it was Arkansas, and he was like a big... I think it was big, actually, I think it might be Arkansas State. Was it maybe, a, yeah, he was like a big boy tight end, I remember that much. Um, came into the NFL, got even bigger. Like, they straight away, I think they tried, you know, they said, you're probably going to be an offensive lineman. They put him in a practice squad, bulked him up, and he became, you know, one of the best left tackles of, when healthy anyway, of the last, like, 15 years. Last time you were on, both uh, Jamie and Ian, I asked about how much abuse James Bradbury would get on his return to the MetLife. Who gets more abuse, James Bradbury going back to the MetLife or Jason Peters going back to Philadelphia? And I feel like I know the answer is already Philadelphia, but I'm asking it anyway. No, we are saving up all our petulant hate for when Carson Wentz comes back. I don't think we're going to notice Jason Peters. He'll probably get cheered, to be honest. He's... <laughs> 
He was he was beloved. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Wentz went out in a hissy fit of um, gory rather than glory. So, um, and I'd, I'd, will the will the Giants really boo Bradbury? I mean, they, they could have brought him back if they wanted to. It wasn't as if the, the Eagles stole him, Jamie. No, I, I, Bradbury. Since he left the Giants, has just been a non-factor. Like no one's no one's talking about it. It was just something that had to happen. And it's the way of the NFL that quite often, because they're so well known within the division, they'll end up at a divisional rival. Um, nah, Giants fans will be too busy between watching Daniel Jones through their fingers and wondering what on earth Kenny Golladay is for um, to worry about <laughs> or any, any, any guys coming back that, that may, might have previously worn the uniform. Do you think this is just another instance of Cameron trying to stir up the division within our beautiful friendship, Jamie? We know that the Giants and the Eagles are the best of buds. We've got no issues between the fan bases whatsoever. And it's just the usual Cameron sensationalising, trying to make us into Radio Clyde Super Scoreboard. I've got a podcast to run. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the Giants-Eagles rivalry has mainly come down to Cameron Hobbs's uh, shit <laughs> I would love to do this like a super scoreboard podcast. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Get the absolute conspiracy theory pish. Speaking of which, Charles Patterson, what is going to be the number one wide receiver in Green Bay? Um, um, someone who's not signed for the team yet. <laughs> I, I can't believe Kenny Golladay. No, 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 no. I cannot believe if you're a Packers fan and you're no, not no. buying the Romeo Dubs hype at this. No, I've, I've already been on here talking enjoy, about Romeo Dubs. Don't, don't enjoy fun. No, no, no Romeo. I, I can't wait. To, yeah, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, Romeo Dubs looks great. Um, Christian Watson could be great, although we've not seen massive amounts of him. Alan Lazard is a perfectly feasible, consistent possession receiver. He's not very fast. Um, Randall Cobb is an excellent. Um, slot receiver not very fast uh, Robert Tunyon was a really good tight end until he got injured not very fast there's not much speed there that's that's the, the thing for me is that there's not much speed on the field unless they get Watson up and running um, I don't think it matters I, I, I'd be surprised if anyone goes over 800 yards frankly I think he's going to spread it about a bit I, I wouldn't be surprised if they've drawn out a play where Rodgers is playing at wide receiver Jordan loves throwing well, him the ball. <laughs> why? Why don't you bet? Why don't you bet a burger with yourself this year and who has more yards? The Packers wide receivers are Aaron Jones. Oh, that's a very good <laughs> yeah, that's a very good shout. That's a good shout. And I have to say, I think that the Packers wide receivers might have a chance. <laughs> last year, um, oh, listen, it's uh, it's all about being the sum of your parts, isn't it? It's all about being the sum of your parts. Listen, well, Charles, Charles the, the Eagles went to four consecutive championship ga- games with not having a, a thousand yards uh, receiver yeah. because the offensive system was set up to spread the ball, which is a lot like what the Packers do. So yeah. it's not as much of a, an issue as it could possibly be made out. And when you end up having a, a player that gets 2,000 yards, they invariably don't go anywhere deep into the playoffs because he basically is their only hope on offense. So, Well, that was the problem. That was why they lost to San Francisco. I mean, he was zeroed in on Devonny Adams for a better part of five years. And that's the way he operates. But ultimately, this uh, when I think I mentioned this in January, this is Matt LaFleur's offense, albeit with Rodgers behind the centre, who can lift players to another level. He's now got to spread the ball about. He has got to have a little bit of faith in the players he's got there. And we'll see what happens. I don't have many concerns that they're going to do okay. They'll be fine, I think. But in terms of who, who's going to get yards, Christ. If I had if I had any juice left in my legs, I would fancy my own chances, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> now, we had my prediction uh, a couple of weeks ago that I could run for a yard in the NFL. Now, could I Charles, catch a ball? Yeah, could, yes. could, 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 as long I was, as it wasn't Cameron Hobbs throwing me the ball. Can't, can't believe we're doing this nonsense again like we did. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the next question I'm going to ask you, though, stick it to Green Bay and talking about Aaron Jones. Is Aaron Jones even RB1 anymore? Like AJ Dillon last year yeah, had more... AJ Dillon had more rush attempts last year. Fine, Jones had more receptions because he was utilised as a wide receiver when Devontae Adams was out. But Dylan was the guy that got handed the ball more than anybody else. Fine, there was a couple of games that Rod, uh, Jones missed due to injury, but 
AJ Dillon only technically started two out of the seventeen. I and still had more. I, I think it. I think it's one A and one B at running back. But yeah. I think, Aaron, I think Aaron Jones might be wide receiver run. I think I we're think in the, we're the position now in the. Passes. Sorry, Gordon, I was cutting you off. The, we're in the position now in the NFL where a term such as RB one doesn't exist. Correct. It's, it's package and it's the work at what kind of players come in for, unless it's Derek Henry, then it's basically a fantasy term. It's and the people that are that talk about it are people that are worried that the player they've just drafted number one overall is only going to get half the amount of carries that the the um they were projecting and their life's going to be over because they finish what well, I don't even how many games do they play in fantasy? I don't even know. So they finish it depends on the season. They depends finish, on the league. They finish seven and seven and you're cl- clearly taking the league really seriously <laughs> again this year, Ian. Um, <laughs> at least at least at least I was able uh, at least the league allowed me to log on and actually draft this time rather than last year's. <laughs> I, I mean who's the number one running back in Miami? No one's got a bloody clue. Well, talk who's to the about that. Yeah, who's the number one running back in San Francisco? Well, possibly Elijah Mitchell, but listen, that only came about as a result of default, you know? Well, so, does it freelance? For Mr. McGinnis, his RB1's his quarterback, and that's that's the, possibly the way it is with Hurts as well and yeah. Philadelphia. That's the way the NFL's shifting. You look at the top quarterbacks that are projected to come out of college again this season, they're all guys that have got legs, all guys that like to run the ball. So, the running back's well, getting... I, forced- I am- Forward down that, that, that priorities list. And one thing that I might possibly suggest, you know, you've got the, the rookie scale for when, when you're drafted. So the, the number one pick gets 10 million and 32 gets 1 million. I, I'm, I'm wondering maybe they should add a, a running back clause into that saying bump a running back up 20% because by the time he's 25, he's out of the league. He, he doesn't matter anymore. He's just a, a, a minuscule fullback, basically. We're talking about though running back groups being packages. If you include the quarterbacks in that, who's got the best package in the NFL? <laughs> Nick Nick Foles, if rumors say, if rumors like to be believed. <laughs> Gonna cut that out. Fuck's sake, Cameron. <laughs> Oh, you know that's going to get uh, edited up, used at various points. Dear Lord. <laughs> but if, right. You know, how the, long have you been? This is episode 199. No. Have you not learned how to broadcast? <laughs> no, so, I did that intentionally. I did that intentionally. We, Who's actually we... got the best running package so, in the so NFL? Running, running package. Uh, the, best, <laughs> the, best, the best running game in the NFL is in Baltimore. Like Greg Roman's flaws as a, as a um, passing game coordinator are very evident. They've been throughout. Well, it, it's Greg Roman or it's Shanahan with the 49ers. Both of them scheme up things in the running game ridiculously well and one of the things i'm most excited to see this year is what happens in a kyle shanahan offense if you have a quarterback who can run because that's something that could open up a ton of things if they start running you know play action boots where trey lance keeps the ball if you build in some kind of option things into uh the kind of zone running scheme they already have they they just they they find ways to put running backs in easy positions and running quarterbacks are even harder to defend than good running backs. So if they can find a way that puts Trey Lance in space, I, it it could be a, a huge problem for opposing defenses. Well, once but, again, well, Gordon Gordon can see the the reality through his purple tinted spectacles. It's clear that the Eagles have got the top running game in the NFL this season. And they've got by far the superior offensive line over Baltimore. They've got a quarterback who's got a bit more heft on him and is less likely to pass downfield once he starts running. So he's probably going to take the ball down more and gain more yards. So it's clearly going to be the Eagles. Or in reality, it's going to be neither of those teams. It's going to be the Colts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including Matt Ryan, who's a negative when it comes to the run game. <laughs> um, oh, oh, if I am included in the Russian statistics for the Eagles, then I will bring them down to twenty-eighth. If I am going to get this carry in the NFL, <laughs> just the one. Uh, listen, for me, put, listen, put Gordon behind the, the the Eagles' offensive line in the NFL, and he will double the amount of yards that I get. I guarantee. That's that. a burger bet. There yep. we go. 
Right. <laughs> not provable because I can't get onto the Eagles offensive line or a decent D line to actually come at you. So we'll uh, we'll save that for episode 300. Set, it up, set it up with Edinburgh Rules. Gordon versus <laughs> Edinburgh Rules to gain two yards. Are you up for it, Gordon? I, I, gu- I guarantee you the burger bet there would actually be that I would be ground into meat that you could slap and put on a burger. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I've not talked about Trey Lance, and I guess that's the the one other developing story. And but we've already started to. I think it's really interesting because yeah, the running game, the last season in particular, just without most start, felt like it was never quite as good as it was. And we kind of did well in spite of it. We utilized Debo. Debo's obviously said he doesn't want to be doing that. It's interesting to see what the contract actually transpires to. Trey Lance to be a success is going to have to run. And he's going to have to find a way to do it effectively because I don't know that he's, he's just not got the experience to utilize his arm. We talked to, you know, I talked without any of you here about the, the quarterback controversy and that I don't think there is one necessarily. <laughs> no, Gordon, Gordon, you were here. Um, but I could see the value in keeping Jimmy G. I see the value for Jimmy. I see the value for the Niners. I see the value for Shanahan. I see the value for, for uh, Trey Lance as well. And I think that that's, there's a lot of value to be had. There's there's short term value and long term pain. That I saw I saw a tweet today and it was when it basically listed multiple quarterbacks and it was like when this guy was ready, the the veteran moved on. It was like Lamar and Joe Flacco. It was I can't remember who the other. Montana, was, Steve Young. Yeah, and that, but it was even like even like recent examples, and it's telling that the 49ers are making that decision. Now, maybe they're making that decision around Jimmy because they just couldn't get the trade value for him. Maybe they're making that decision because they don't have faith in Trey Lance. Who really knows? But you're just setting yourself up for a couple of losses. Even if they start the season well, maybe you go one in three over four games at some point mid-season. It's all the media are going to talk about. Oh, this is a, this is a Super Bowl roster. Let's, let's, let's give Jimmy... Let's give Jimmy a chance. What what if Jimmy comes in and he plays okay and they get to the playoffs? And then what position are you in next year? Jimmy Garoppolo, I... Jimmy Garoppolo, whether you like him or not, and whether he was the reason or not, has played in a Super Bowl and has played in an NFC Championship game in the last three years, in two out of the three seasons. There is no way that if you're a Niners fan and you are four and six, that you are not screaming for him to come back and save your season in early November. Not a chance. He should be nowhere near the roster if they're running that franchise properly. And, and I don't think absolute he will be. Nonsense. From, uh, this, it, there is something going on in the background uh, in San Francisco. I don't know what it is. I love to I think speculate it's just to business. wind it up. I love to wind it up. I'm sorry. They, they, they're gonna, they should win their first two games. They're playing Chicago Bears on the opening weekend. If the Chicago Bears knock them off at Soldier Field, Oh my god! I cannot wait for the following podcast. I cannot wait. And then they're I'll get they're playing Seattle at home the following week. You should be two and zero. And Trey Lance, if Trey Lance is what everybody thinks he is, giving up three first round picks as well. Don't you forget that they gave up three first round picks to get Trey Lance. Then he should be lighting up, and he should be running and stomping all over people, and they should be winning both of those games by twenty points. And then it comes tricky. They've got Denver, they've got the Rams, and then they've got uh, the, the Chiefs and the Rams again before Week Eight. It's you know that's maybe a, you know there's a there's a gate loss or two in there, but after Week Eight they should be six and two under Trey Lance if Trey Lance is everything that Shanahan and John Lynch are saying that he is. Depends on whether he is it now or whether he's going to be it in the future. And I think for me, it's the experience thing. And I think that this is the Daniel Jones thing, right? And <clears throat> it's not. It can't Bring be it the Daniel circle. Jones thing. It's not. The Giants have been not nowhere remotely competitive with Daniel Jones there. No, no, no. The no, Niners they... have got a Super Bowl roster now. Right. But you when can't they took. Do that. Wait. When they took Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones's numbers were not necessarily sensational, but he came from a tree where they could see what they thought he was going to be. Now, let's take away what he's become. But, Jamie, at the time, it was because of it, they felt like he was the most likely person to become something like Eli Manning. Well, Dave Gettleman <laughs> might have thought that. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Gettleman also thought it was a good idea to draft a running back in the top five the following year or the year before, whenever it was he took down. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <sighs> 
a lot of that, you know, a lot of all this nonsense came down to like one guy thinking I'm going to run this like a sort of mad late 80s um, dictatorship. Um, and I think you're maybe assigning slightly more thinking to the Daniel Jones selection than... <laughs> fair fair enough, and it hasn't transpired. It hasn't transpired. I like we'll not we've talked loads about the actual pick itself. I think that it's for me the, the Jimmy G situation is and actually the Giants are a perfect example where a couple of games into the season and they go, right, Jones is not it. We're gonna go and get someone else. The Giants might be one of the candidates to come and trade for Jimmy, who is now much more affordable and therefore allows the Niners to get a slightly better bargaining conversation going on to get more for Jimmy G than they would have with the massive contract he had. The Giants obviously burned with that massive contract for uh, Kenny Galladay that they gave him. They might have been put off. However, you know, Jimmy G is on a much more affordable contract, substantially more affordable. The reason he's still there, nobody could afford him. The reason he's still there is because nobody could afford him and they couldn't afford to cut him because they are worried about what they've got. And they, they were confident I don't about think what that's they the had. Case. Well, I'm I, sorry. No. Why keep so, him? No, no. I, no, no. So the reason why they don't cut him is because he could then go to Seattle. And it's just yeah. Yeah. who are who are crap and are rebuilding. And are, honestly, if you're the night, and also the dead money impact. <clears throat> There's no dead money impact now because it's been renegotiable. There, there is an impact, but not the same extent. I'm and so- you might then be able to negotiate something. He's got a no trade clause. However, that's about him controlling where he ends up. He didn't want to be traded to some bum team. Like the Jets or something. Well, not that bum, but whatever. He didn't want to be traded and not have control of his destiny. So I, I think it works for everybody involved. It's not <laughs> a brilliant outcome. I'm not saying that. You have I'm not a going ghost. brilliant. There's a ghost in the locker room. He's going to be wandering around. I mean, what I've, have you ever heard of a situation where a guy is told you can't come into the, the dressing room? You've got to go and play with the kids in the NFL. A starting NFL quarterback. That's basically what they've done. Shanahan is weird. He is an absolute control freak and he's weird. I don't doubt that he's an offensive maestro genius, although I think a lot of it's built up beyond what it actually is. But he is absolutely a control freak. And the way in which they've treated Garoppolo is just odd. I'm sorry, you should have had him out of the building. And if it comes back to bite them on the arse, they've got no one to blame but themselves. I don't see how it can bite them on the arse. This is the thing. I don't see how I, it can. I, how, how do you not see... so? Like, I can understand having, like, a Homer opinion. How can you not see, like, how, how, I, I cannot fathom this. How are you saying that you cannot see a situation where at some point this season they lose a couple of games and all the media talk about is wanting to start Jimmy Garoppolo? But, or, or a situation whereby they're struggling, they're in the playoff hunt, so they start Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they so you're in away. the same situation as last season, where the backups behind... No, because... No, because if Jimmy had struggled, you would have had the press coming on saying start Trey Lance. It's the same situation. It's not the same situation because Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy that you spent the third overall pick on and traded picks for. Like you, you are committed now, like it or not, to Trey Lance's QB one. Yeah, yeah, and I think they will stay committed to it. I don't but, think. I don't think they'll. I, I think they just go. We'll take a losing season and give them experience over. The, the only the only way that Jimmy Garoppolo playing starting games at quarterback for the 49ers this season is not a problem for the 49ers is if Trey Lance gets hurt. Yeah. At that point, you've got, you know, an injury problem. And there's a significant chance of that given the way he plays as well. Although, no, no, hang on. I'll quote Gordon. There's a very small chance that a running quarterback like Trey Lance would get injured. Far more more likely to get hurt passing the ball than you are running. (laughs) I think Cameron has just not properly thought this through because he he was awake (laughs) at night worrying about the reception that James Bradbury is going to get at the MetLife. That's all it's all fully consumed. <laughs> That's probably fair. That's probably fair. Right. Before we wrap this one up, any other developing stories that you want to watch over the season? I, I'm just going to get this out there now. Uh, Joe Flacco is going to beat the Ravens in week one. I've accepted this. I'm not happy about it. Uh, it's honestly, it's a situation though that like I don't like. I don't like the fact they're gonna have to play him in week one because either he's gonna make a mistake and the Ravens are gonna win. I'm gonna be like, oh good, the Ravens won. That's good. But it's very hard to not, you know, feel empathy for the guy who brought you a Super Bowl. Or 
what I can almost guarantee is going to happen is he's going to play the best game he's played in eight years and the Jets are going to beat the Ravens and it's going to be incredibly frustrating. Would that be a bigger upset than the Bears beating the Niners if the Jets beat the Ravens? Yes. I think it would be on a par. I think there's, 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 more, there's more talent on the Jets roster than there is on the Bears roster. That's yeah. for sure. And given, but then I think, yeah, given the way in which the Bears are almost unanimously being thought of as utter garbage, I, I think you've got to go with the Niners losing at Soldier Field, which I don't see happening, but I can't wait if it does. I totally imagine. My, you I know, mean, I'm anticipating it. You know, oh, I'm taking the Bears. I mean, I mean it's like it's like the perfect scenario for me. I, I mean, I, what I would. What I would say that I'm looking forward to is I can't wait to see at what week in what week Jerry Jones decides that he is going to be um, he's going to be calling the plays uh, in Dallas when Mike McCarthy finally is shown up for the uh, stale early noughties charlatan that he is. <laughs> <laughs> They've got I'm no offense there to, now. I'm looking forward to seeing if um, the the sort of tough all action street fighting never say die Detroit Lions that bizarrely turned up for the last two three weeks of last season are going to turn up again at the start of this or whether it would be like sort of zany ending of a late Simpsons episode and then everything's back to normal um, by the time we all kick off again (laughs) surely not surely not they must be half decent this year they don't have have to be they don't have to be look at the no it's true it's true it's true. Uh, well, you, you've got the kind of the the manager bump in con- conventional football where a, a manager gets sacked and they, they they always win the next game. Is there a hard knocks bump where the teams uh, win the first game of the season after appearing in hard knocks and then tail off afterwards? Is that is that a PFF stat, Gordon? Do we have hard knocks first game wins? We we have not looked into that. Yet, That's a great show. I, I I will. I'll get the team on it. I'm looking forward to also seeing what outrageously ridiculous burger bets Cameron throws down during the season, which are then not um, honoured at the end of the year. So We are rude. Week one uh, live event at the golf. We've not set any burger bets really this year. I think this is where we do our setting. Um, for those that are there, let's let's put our necks on the line. Right. But we'll, we'll come to that for those that come and join us. All right. Anyway. Happy to do that. Right, we've been Blether and Frages. So that are the develop that is the developing stories that we're looking forward to. Now, one new thing that we're going to be doing this season as well is we're going to be getting some guest content. So I would like to f- introduce the Western Isles NFL show as they have given us some content on what they think is going to be their week one upset. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides, the Winnipeg Show. Uh, I'm Ian McKinnon. I'm here with Jake McGee. How are you doing, Jake? Oh, I'm not too bad. We are edging ever closer to the first kickoff. We certainly are. And of course, you know, it's week one's coming up. Nobody knows what the scores are going to be. So we're going to be looking at and uh, the biggest upset that we think might happen this week. So what we're going to do is we're going to go live to Las Vegas, Nevada, where our man in the field, Callum Blaine, is there at the moment. Can you hear me, Callum? Hello, yes, I can hear you. I'm here in Las Vegas in Caesar's Palace with none other than the king himself, Elvis Presley. Mr. Presley, what is going to be the biggest upset in the NFL this week? Oh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's all rock and roll, man. You know, like my mommy saying, Tupelo and uh, Grace Lanyard, you know, just taking care of business, man, 110%. They're really important, big lessons, you know, and I try not to try to uh, hurt my family or anybody. Oh, 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 you know, thank you very much. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. It's going to be the Jaguars over the Commanders this week in the NFL. Back to you guys over in the studio. Well, there you are. Jaguars over the Commanders. Uh, Succinctly put, Jake, why don't you tell us what's going to happen, Jaguars Commanders? Absolutely. Well, like we say, it's always uh, an interesting game. The first game of the season, you don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, these are two teams looking to change um, maybe their look and their perception from how, uh, you know, on the league. Uh, the Jags will be looking to get uh, in the face of Wentz early. 
Um, he's, you know, Trevor Lawrence basically got a brand new receiving corps and a coach who knows who Aaron Donald is, which uh, will certainly help him. Uh, I think both teams will be relying more on their front seven um, to help their secondaries, which is a bit of the weakness on both sides, I would say. I, I do expect Scary Terry and the first round pick of Washington, Jahan Dotson, to cause the Jags secondary some issues. Um, but I do see the Jags coming out 23 to 20 victors. I do also predict that if you are followers here at the Winterfell Show, that we are well aware of the Jaguars kicking carousel that is going on. So I'm predicting that they'll miss an extra point and a field goal. Um, <laughs> because, you know, at, by this point, with two days to go, I still don't know who will be their kicker. Um, could be It could be one of anyone. Could could be me. It could be. It could be or they might, like, draft, you know, I mean, Travis Etienne, they don't know how good he is as a running back, so they might say, do you want to just kick a few kick a few balls for us. They, they could do that. I'm with you there. We don't know what's going to happen with this. I think that the Jaguars definitely um, could be one of the surprises of the season. And uh, as you say, you know, they're getting to Carson Wentz's face early and the Jags could come away with a, a an upset win. I'm going to I'm gonna throw my own score in there. I think the Jaguars are absolutely going to walk this one. I've got them winning 27-3. I think that defense will just stop Carson Wentz, and I think that uh, Trevor Lawrence will show us why he was, you know, the number one draft prospect of the past five or six years at least. Uh, I mean, do you, do you have anything else? Do you, what do you think of like of Etienne? Do you think he'll be he'll be able to get going in his first proper season in the NFL? I'm very excited to see what he he brings to the team. Obviously, he didn't get a chance to to reach the regular season last year, um, being rolled out with a Liz Frank. I mean, the Jags are a young and exciting team. They're the fourth youngest in the NFL. Um, like I say, we've got players returning from injury, uh, plenty of free agency money spent. And I've already mentioned they're the massive upgrade at head coach. Now, Lawrence had his best game of his short NFL career in Week 18. Um, so he'll certainly be looking to build some momentum. Um, you know, some of the, the wide receivers that have come in, uh, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, got a tight end Evan Ingram. And then I'm really excited to see what the likes of... Uh, Etienne and, and Robinson, who are coming off injuries, kind of provides this offense. And they're a team that I'm actually quite excited to watch. Can't say the same about the Commanders, and that's why we have them um, being this upset in the first week. Um, the, the Commanders are three and a half point favorites. I think the over under is set at about 43 and a half. Um, just depends on the defense. Like I say, I'm, I'm worried about both secondaries. Um, they've both got good front sevens, but. I think it's it's good money, good logical sense, and it should be a good game. So good luck to the Jags. Duval. Duval indeed. And uh, that is it from us over here at the WinFL Show. We're going to be handing you back over to Stramash Podcast. Thank you very much, Jake. Always a pleasure. Well, there you have it. Thanks to the guys from the Western Hours NFL Show for uh, a scintillating debut here on Stramash Podcast. Right, before we go... Uh, one last thing that we need to talk to you about as well is please continue to make sure that you check in regularly at the website nflscotland.com because we've got a team of writers who are producing content all the time. For this week, we've got the last two division previews to kick off the week. We've got full season bets. We've got our week one studs and fuds coming up. Uh, we've got some betting previews. We've got college. We've got Sunday bets. Plenty to check out. So nflscotland.com for all the latest there. Well, that's everything for episode 199 of Stramash. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please share your thoughts on social media, on Twitter, uh, at Scotland NFL. We're looking forward to episode 200 that we will get to you before the first round of fixtures this weekend. Like I said, we might not get it out before we, we get to the Bills-Rams. If we don't, enjoy that game. If we do, then great, you'll get to listen to us before it. But either way, enjoy your football when it comes. Can't wait to speak to you again. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.